You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing today? So good to see you guys. I'm excited about continuing today's series and Jumping in, so if you've got your Bible with you or a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to um, the book of Genesis. Uh, We'll be in chapter 4. Genesis actually means beginning, and so the creative powers that be that developed the canon of Scripture, they came together and they said, I think we should put this one at the beginning. Not trying to pull any punches with anybody, not trying to trick anyone this morning. So the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, we're going to be there in just a minute. Um, One of my very favorite prayers, you know, like there's there's these different prayers that we have that that we will pray from time to time. You know, we've got like, uh, you know, things that we might, uh, a prayer that we might recite over our food. You know, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Or, Or maybe it's at bedtime, you know, now I'll lay me down to sleep. Um, those sorts of things. One of my very favorite prayers, though, goes something like this. Maybe you've heard it. It says, Dear God, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or even overindulgent. And I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get up out of this bed And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help. Amen. You know, that's funny because it's true. Um, And it's true because on paper, at least, you and I, we all desire to, to be our best and to give our best. But I don't know about you, but a lot of times... Um, I, I discover, I've discovered that, that I happen to be my best before I get out of bed. And, and there's just those days that you get out of bed and things start to go downhill from there. You know, maybe, maybe you can relate this morning. You know, our, our intentions are in the right place. But for some reason, life just gets in the way. And those good intentions don't translate over into our behavior. And in the process, we can end up hurting other people or letting other people down, most notably God. And and the question is, is, is when that happens and when we find ourselves in those situations where we're not giving, we're not bringing, we're not offering our best, how do we respond to those things so that we can recover and bounce back and get on track? So today we're going to talk about that. We're in part seven of a series called DNA. Um, It's hard to believe that it's been actually eight weeks since we began this because we got through the first four and then we had a one-off in the middle there for the day of Pentecost. And so we've been at this for eight weeks. We're in part seven of a series called DNA where we've been taking a look at the core values of Christ Walk Church. And I believe that it's important for us to talk about these core values so that you and I, we can be on the same page in regard to the kind of culture 
we're trying to build here at this church, but also so that we can be on the same page in regard to the expectations that are being placed on the people that attend here and call Christ Walk Church home. So far, we've talked about our core value that Jesus is our message. We've talked about the core value that people are our mission. Number three, honor is our calling. Number four, authenticity is our lifestyle. Core value number five, generosity is our identity. Core value number six, servanthood is our posture. And if you've missed any of these messages, you can always go back to our podcast or our YouTube channel and listen or watch to catch up. Or maybe you just want to listen or watch again for a refresher. I would highly encourage you to do that. And so we're going to continue today by taking a look at core value number seven. Excellence is our pursuit. Excellence is our pursuit. And excellence defined is the quality of being superior, extraordinary, or remarkably good. And we hear that word excellence, and it's something that gets thrown around quite a bit, um, especially in like the business circle. Um, maybe, maybe you have, uh, maybe there's something about the, the business that you work in, um, and, and your, your boss is always talking about like excellence and how we serve the customer with excellence and how we produce the widgets that we produce, and we do that with excellence and, and committing to our job with excellence. And that's certainly a part of it, but we can kind of get lost in all of that, and especially in, in, in church and in our response in our faith and, and the way that we live out our faith and, and, and the way that, that we honor God with excellence. It, it can get lost and, and tied up in some of those definitions. So, so let me bring, hopefully, some, some clarity to this by talking about what excellence is not and then what excellence excellence is. Maybe just a few quick examples. What excellence is not, excellence is not an ability issue. It doesn't matter what your skill set is, doesn't matter how good you are or how maybe bad you are at a particular thing. Excellence doesn't, it's not weighed on your ability or your skill level. It's, it's, it's not an ability issue. Excellence doesn't mean expensive. For something to be excellent, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It, excellence doesn't mean extravagant. For something to be excellent, it doesn't have to be the very best of the very best of the very best. All right, so it, it doesn't mean ex, uh, expensive, it doesn't mean extravagant, and most importantly, it doesn't mean perfection. And I think a lot of times that's where we kind of get lost. We, we feel like we'll never be able to be someone of excellence because it requires us to be perfect. And there was only one man that's ever walked to the face of the earth that has been perfect, and his name is Jesus, and you are not him. So let yourself off the hook just a little bit, okay? It does not mean perfection, and we're going to talk about that a little more here in just a minute. So if those are the things that excellence is not, it's not an ability issue, it's not expensive, it's not extravagant, it's not perfection, then, then what is excellence? Well, first off, it's a heart issue. Excellence at its very core is determined by our, our heart, our desires, our, our motives. It's, it's a, it's a, I like the way that Kerry Newhoff calls excellence. He says, it's a battle against mediocrity. 
Excellence is a battle against mediocrity. Excellence is an act of worship that is also linked directly to servanthood and generosity. The last two core values that we've talked about. Excellence is linked directly to those. And excellence, it's a commitment to the attitude that if something is worth doing, then it's worth doing well. It's a commitment to the attitude that if something is worth doing, then it's worth doing well. And, and here's why I think a lot of us struggle when it comes to excellence and doing things with excellence and living a lifestyle of excellence. It's because it's hard. It requires over and above effort. There's, you, you, have to, you have to strive for it. It's, it's something that you have, to, you have to try. You have to put yourself out there. It does not come to us naturally. And, and, and most of the time, we just don't feel like it. We don't feel like being excellent. We don't feel like living excellently. Have you ever, has there ever been anything in your life that you thought, you know what, I just, maybe you've even said it out loud, I just don't feel like doing that, right? It comes up a lot. That's why we need that prayer before we get out of bed. Because sometimes we wake up in the morning and we've just got a case of that I don't feel like it, Right? I don't feel like living that way. I don't feel like being that person. And, and, and here's, here's ultimately where it becomes a problem is because when we struggle with excellence, what I've discovered in my own life and what I've seen portrayed in the lives of others is that often we'd rather point the finger at someone else than we would raise the bar in our own life. That's why excellence is so difficult for us. This is not a new issue. This is not something that just here in the last decade kind of came to light. In fact, it's, it's existed since nearly the beginning of creation, this excellence issue. And in Genesis chapter 4, hopefully you've turned there, swiped there with me. You're ready to read, starting in verse 1. This tells the story of the, the oldest children of Adam and Eve. Their names are Cain and Abel, maybe you've heard of them. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. And later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. He was a farmer. Verse 3, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Verse 6, why are you so angry the Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. 
verse 8. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Verse 13, Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord replied, no, I will give you, or I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, there's some observations that I've got when I read this passage, some things that I think that it's, it's noteworthy for us to point out. Um, and and if, you've, if you've attended the church since, since you were a kid, chances are you've heard this story before. You probably learned it in Sunday school, you know, Cain and Abel and, and all of this stuff. Um, but I think that there are some things that we can glean from it today, maybe in a different light, a little bit of a different perspective. And so if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write some of this down or jot, jot some of this down. Um, Cain, his name, it actually means to, to acquire or to, to produce. And so when, when Eve gave birth to this eldest son, Cain, um, he was named Cain because it was a recognition that it was, it was through God that, that, um, that she had produced this child. And then Abel, his name actually means breath. It's interesting these two names that these boys were given because Cain reminds us, as I said, that life is a gift from God and Abel's name reminds us of how short life is for us. Because his life went away just like a breath, a vapor. Our life is like a breath or a vapor as well. And so based on those two facts, the fact that, that life is given to us by God, it is, it is through God that life is produced and that, that life is short just like a breath, then it's important how we choose to live our lives. So first of all, that's what this, this passage is establishing for us to take note in how we are going to choose to live. And, and at the center of this passage is, is worship. It says that, that Cain presented an offering to God and, and Abel did as well. They, they both presented. It was, it was worship. And, and remember, excellence is an act of worship. Excellence and worship, it's not just a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle thing. Okay, We don't just worship one day a week. We worship all of the time. This is how we gather to worship 
corporately, but we worship individually, worship in so many different ways. And it's not just in church. It's not just coming to sing songs and and listen to a message. We worship even in just the regular ongoings of our day, the tasks, the duties, the things that we are involved in. It's not just a Sunday thing. Worship is a lifestyle thing. And Cain, the farmer, his offering was rejected by God. Verse 3 says, maybe you picked up on it, it says, Cain brought some of his crops. Some of his crops. But Abel, the shepherd, his offering was accepted by God. And verse 4 tells us that instead of just bringing some from his flock, he brought the best portions of the firstborn. See, the reason that Cain's offering wasn't accepted didn't have to do with the fact that it was, it was produce versus sheep or anything like that. It, it was all about his attitude toward the way he was choosing to worship God. That's why his offering wasn't accepted. See, despite his namesake, Cain failed to recognize God as the author and the owner of life. But Abel, on the other hand, did. And so as a result, Cain chose anger, and he chose pouting, and he chose jealousy instead of humility and repentance. That was the opportunity that he was given. So instead of humbly repenting before the Lord, he chose to be angry and he chose to pout and he chose to be jealous over the fact that his brother's offering was accepted and his wasn't. And this ultimately led Cain outside of the presence of God. Because he allowed that anger to take root. He allowed that jealousy to take root. He allowed um, the, the pouting to take root. And it pushed him away from the presence of God. And Cain ignored God's warnings. He refused God's grace. And instead, he allowed sin to advance, to grow, to develop in his life. Which resulted in him killing his brother in cold Here was the attitude that Cain took. If I can't have the Lord's blessing, then neither can Abel. If I can't have it, then neither can he. And a lot of us, that's how we live our lives. Well, if God's not going to let me experience it, if God's not going to give it to me, well, then they shouldn't be able to have it either. James, fast forward to the New Testament in James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. He highlights this issue that's taking place here. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's what we see in this passage between Cain and Abel. Abel's response to God's rejection of his offering was a sinful one. It was a sinful attitude. And he allowed that sin into his life. And despite God's warnings, despite God's second chances, despite God giving him the opportunity to to be humble and to repent and to, to bring an offering that would be 
accepted, to bring a different attitude in worship. Despite all of that, Cain chose to hold on to his sin, and he allowed it to grow, and so it produced death in the death of his brother Abel. And it killed him in the process because now he's banished from God's presence. And at the root of all of this is excellence. It's excellence. Cain failed to pursue excellence and and ended up not being accepted by God, which left him with a choice. And the choice that Cain had is the same choice that you and I have today all these thousands of years later. When we miss the mark of excellence, we can choose one of two things. We can choose one of two options. When we miss the mark of excellence in our lives, we can choose one of two things. The first choice that we have is we can choose to get bitter. That's what Cain chose. Pouting, anger, jealousy. It was bitterness that took root in his heart. And he allowed that to grow. And we we see where that leads. Growth and development of sin, it leads to death. And it pushed Cain to where he lived his life outside of the presence of God. And now, you all look like fine, upstanding people. So I would imagine that that's not the direction that you want your life to head. That if you're here this morning, you're watching with us online, you're probably, the majority of you, are probably the kind of people that say, okay, I don't want that to be the result. I don't want to harbor sin. I don't want it to grow. I don't want it to bring forth death. I don't want it to lead to me being outside of the presence of God. So so I'm not going to choose to get bitter. So then what's my other choice? When I miss the mark of excellence, what's the other choice? Well, we can either choose to get bitter or we can choose to get better. Those are the choices that we have. And if we're not going to choose to get bitter, then we have to choose to get better. But the question is, how? How do we get better? And it boils down, really, I believe, to, to two things. Two things that you and I can do in order to get better and to live a life of excellence. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is we got to be sure that we have the right motive. We've got to be sure that we have the right motive, the intentionality, the purpose behind why we're living the way we're living, why we're doing the things that we're doing. We've got to be sure that our motives are in the right place. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul writes this. He says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's the motive right there. In everything that you do in life, That's all-encompassing. Whatever you do, be sure that you do it all for the glory of God. So we've got to realize that that this life that we live and and the things that we produce and and our lifestyle of worship, that it's, it's not about comparison, right? There is no win in comparison. The goal is, is not to measure up or to be better than someone else. When we talk about getting better, it's not to be better than that person sitting next to you. All right? 
If, if we're going to measure up to anyone, it should be Jesus. That's the measuring stick for our life. It's, it's, not your, it's not your spouse, it's not your neighbor, it's not your kids, it's not your coworkers. The measuring stick for our life is Jesus. And so if we want to measure ourselves up to anyone, it should be to him. And then if you feel the need to compare, if you just can't help but do it, and you're going to compare yourself to someone, rather than comparing yourself to your spouse, your neighbor, whoever, your coworker, all those people out there, you need to compare yourself to your former self. That's the only comparison that should take place. Author John Gordon, he says, The goal in life is not to be better than anyone else. It's to be better today than you were yesterday. That's what it means to, to get better. That's what it looks like to live a life of excellence. So I'm not trying to be better than everyone else. I'm just trying to be better than me. It's getting to the place where we can say, You know what? I may not be where I want to be. But I'm a whole lot further along from where I used to be because I'm just making progress. That's what it looks like to live a lifestyle of excellence. And, and it's, it's taking a look at everything that we do and, and, and everything that we're involved in and that we're engaged in and asking, does this bring me glory or does this bring God glory? And then choosing to put our eggs in the basket of the latter. So that we can live a lifestyle that would point others in his direction. If I'm doing this thing because it brings me glory, I need to stop doing that. Or I need to have a heart change so that I can do this thing to be sure that it's bringing God glory. Because when we bring God glory with our lives, others will see it. They will take note and they will want to follow after him as well. So first of all, it's all about having, living a lifestyle of excellence, getting better is all about having the right motive. Number two, not only do we have to have the right motive, but we've got to have the right attitude. We've got to have the right attitude. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. All right, so first of all, we've, we've got to do things for the glory of God. And as we do things for the glory of God, we are to do them giving thanks to God for that opportunity. That means that if we're going to be a people of excellence, that means no complaining. I'm just going to leave that right there. That's a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow. No complaining. It's, it's the, the attitude, it's the mindset that I don't have to do this. It's I get to do this. That the way that I live my life and, and I'm cultivating this lifestyle of worship, not so that people will see me, but so that through my life, others will be pointed in the direction of Jesus Christ. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And when you can change your have to to your get to, that's a transformation right there that will take place. It, it, will, it will change the way that you view everything in life. 
St. Jerome is attributed with a quote that maybe you've heard. It goes like this. It says, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Now remember, it's not perfection. It's not perfection. Excellence doesn't demand that we have to be the best today. Excellence just demands that we have to be our best today. We don't have to be the best. I've just got to be my best. That's it. It means that we give God our first fruits and not our leftovers. See, some of us, we want to give God the doggy bag. You know what I'm talking about? You go to the nice restaurant and everything, and the portions are so big, you just can't eat it. And so you, get, you have the little bit, and, and you scrape it into the thing, and you, you the little styrofoam container, and you take it home. Or if you're somewhere fancy, it's wrapped up in aluminum foil, and they shape it into a swan or something like that. <laughs> and some of us, we want to give God the doggy bag and act like we're doing him some grandiose favor. But it doesn't work that way. We, we can't give God our sloppy seconds and expect him to bless it. That's not how it works. Like I said uh, before, excellence, it's, it's connected to, to generosity. It's, it's our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony. It means that, that in those areas of our life, we're going to put God first. It's where he comes in the rank. It's, it's connected to, to servanthood. And the, the best way that I can explain that there, there's a really good example of this is taking place right now. We, we are in goose season here in northeast Florida. And we are just so blessed at Christ Walk Church to have a family of four geese. Uh, or four, four families of geese with, with little babies and everything that they spend all of their time during the week out here in front of the church. And they're really cute and it's fun to see them and everything. But what you don't see is early on Sunday morning, some of the guest services team getting here, and um, the geese will just say that they leave behind evidence that they've spent time on our church property throughout the week, every week. And so what, what excellence is and the way that it's connected to servanthood says, I, I may be scraping up goose poop off the sidewalk, but I've got a smile on my face while I'm doing it because I'm doing it for God's glory and I'm grateful for the opportunity to glorify God even in the midst of the most menial task. I may be picking up trash, but it's not because I have to, it's because I get to. And I'm, I'm creating an environment. I'm setting the table for people to come onto this campus and to experience, to have an encounter with the God of the universe. I'm going to do my best because it points people in the direction of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It, it points them into the direction of a God who sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we could be saved, that we could be forgiven of our sins, that we could experience life eternally. That's why we do our best. That's the kind of attitude that we ought to have. It goes along with this, this book by a guy named Tom O'Neill. It's called The One Percent Principle. 
the 1% principle. And basically, the 1% principle is this. Instead of me trying to get 100% better, I just need to focus on getting 1% better 100 times. You see that shift in perspective? Like, you don't have to get 100% better in one fell swoop. You just get 1% better, and then you get 1% better, and then you get 1% better, and 1%, but just over and over and over. It's, that, it's constant, steady pressure. I'm constantly working. I'm constantly pushing forward. I'm constantly moving. Constantly bettering myself, constantly moving in the direction of the person that God has called me to be. It makes me think of, you, you've seen this, that the strongest, most, most tough of us, we could go outside right now and we could, we could just bang our fists on the concrete just over and over and over until they were scraped and, uh, and a bloody mess. And there would be no headway that we would have to show for it. But yet, how many of you have seen a blade of grass poke up through the concrete before? A blade of grass that is it's, it's fragile and it's here one day and it's, it's gone the next. What is the difference? It's, it's, just, it's, it's just that constant, that steady pressure. Just constant, until, and it finds the gap all the time. It, it, it just finds the place where it can just push through. That's what we've got to do. We've got to just apply that constant, steady pressure. We've got to realize it's not going to happen just like that. That today, I'm going to be the best version of me that I can possibly be. And then tomorrow, I'm going to be the best version of me that I can possibly be. And then the next day, I'm just going to get a little bit better. I'm going to be the a little bit better version of me than I was the day before. And it's just that constant taking a step forward and a step forward and a step forward. Where do you need to honor God by getting better? Is it in your, your Bible reading, like your devotional, your, your prayer life? Is it in financial generosity? Is it in the way that you serve? Is it complaining a little bit less? Is it in your relationship with your wife and your kids? Is it in your health? What does that look like for you? Whatever that thing is, and chances are you're feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit right now, or you've got it in your mind, I need to improve in this area of my life so that I can bring God glory not to draw attention to me, it's so that I can give him the glory. What, whatever that is, don't worry about getting 100% better. Just get 1% better just over and over and over and over. Every time we come into, I mean, I'm going to bring my best worship. And then the next Sunday we come, man, I'm going to bring my best. And the next time we serve, man, I'm going to do my best. And, and we're constantly learning and we're, we're growing and, and God will honor God will honor that. I'll close with this. I recently read uh, a story about the Statue of Liberty. 
Statue of Liberty is 151 feet tall. It's 305 feet tall when you include the, the pedestal that it, that it sits on. Probably everyone in the room, everyone watching with us online, you, you wouldn't need to see a picture of it or you know exactly what the Statue of Liberty looks like. At worst, you've seen it in pictures or in movies. At best, you've seen it in person. Maybe some of you have even had the opportunity to walk up the steps on the inside and go to the observation deck that's located in the crown of the woman. I I recently read this article, a story that gave me a little bit different perspective on the Statue of Liberty, and I, I think it fits in with what we're talking about today. The author writes, once on the the cover of the New York Herald Tribune Sunday magazine, I saw a picture of the Statue of Liberty taken from a helicopter. It showed the top of the statue's head, and I was amazed to see the detail there. The sculptor had done a painstaking job with the lady's coiffure. It's one of my favorite words to say. That means her hairdo. Yet, he must have been pretty sure that the only eyes that would see this detail would be the uncritical eyes of seagulls. The statue was dedicated in 1886, and the Wright brothers didn't fly their first airplane until 1903. So the sculptor could not have dreamt that any man would ever fly over the statue's head. But yet, he was artist enough. He was excellent enough to finish off this part of the statue with as much care as he had devoted to her face, her arms, her torch, and everything else that people can see as they sail up the bay. When you're creating a work of art or any other kind of work, finish the job off perfectly. You never know when a helicopter or some, inst- some other instrument not at the moment invented may come along and find you out. See, God honors excellence in our life because excellence in our life honors God. Even when it's easier to take shortcuts, even when we don't think we have what it takes, even when we don't feel like it, even in the parts of our lives that no one else may ever see, we are to be people of excellence. If I had to sum this up in, 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 in one phrase, like one big idea, like what's the takeaway for today, I would say it's simply this, that, that we give God our best, Because he gave us his best. We give God our best because he gave us his best. Through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's right. Yes. Out of the mouths of babes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. We give our best because he gave his best to us. Perhaps the place that we start, maybe the best thing that we could ever give God is to surrender our heart to his will and our life to his ways. And if you're here today 
and you've never done that, you're watching with us online today, you've never done that, but you would like to do that. You, you would, you're tired of, of just offering second best and you're ready to go all in. God, I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna give you everything that I am. If that's you, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Would you take a step into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Heads bowed, eyes closed in reverence. If that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.